Who's, um, who's been distracted this week with anything? Hey? <laughs> who was who one of those people that on your school report, I, I could see this. Dial Ellis is not a bad boy, but he's very easily distracted. <laughs> you know, for me, what they, what they used to do in primary school, um, where, you know, you, you sort of, you could start the year sort of sitting where you wanted to, and, and the teachers would manage and manipulate that as the year went on. So you'd have your desks, and of course you'd get with your mates, and, um, and, 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 and mostly, I, I wasn't very long before I would always be sitting, bang in between two very studious girls. That 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 <laughs> that is where the teacher used to, to put me every time, and and that and obviously that was to try and limit this level of of distraction. Uh, but then I would get moved again because after a while, those studious girls would be being distracted. And really, there was only one other place that was out the side somewhere on your own. And uh, that's where I often used to uh, have myself parked for big portions of the school year. But we live in a, in a world full of distractions, don't we? And I, I find myself regularly setting out to do a task. And, and Alex, um, Alex is noticing this at the moment. And I think even as we've talked about the season we're in, um, I'll confess right now that my my head's pretty full and um i think you know our our capacity as people you know we there's all sorts of amazing things we can do we can stretch and grow but but there are times you get where where you you know you're just there's sort of only so much you could carry and and what i find is that i I just start to release certain things like I, i start to release mundane tasks like, like Alex says, oh, could you, could you help out here? Um, you know, go upstairs and, 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 and get the kids' pyjamas and do this. And while you're there, can you close the blinds or something like that? Now, now there is no way I can get the pyjamas and close the blinds. That, that is, you know, that is too much. And I've only, got to have, I've only got to have something very small happen to distract me and I'm unable to complete that task. It just seems to be what, what's going on at the moment. Or, you know, the phone rings, a, a child wants something, or your attention is, is taken by, by something more interesting. That stuff is a normal part of life, isn't it? We, we all have that in, in various ways. And, you know, we, we joke about, about the way that we, we respond in different ways. And, but it is. It is part of life. And distractions by themselves um, are not all bad, are they? Like, like, like our two young children are huge distractions. They will distract you all the time, any time, and most of the time. And, and they're good. They're good kids. So distractions are not, are not bad. Um, but they are part of life. They're something that goes on. And we've got to learn to, to manage those. And in fact, many distractions can be amazing opportunities. There can be things that come from left field that you weren't expecting and, you know, you're trying to do something and this thing's just, just there and, 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 it's, and it's an opportunity. Uh, I'm trying to think of one. I used to find when, when I was very easily distracted, actually that's all my life, but, but I, I remember years ago I used to, um, I, 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 
really decided I was going to get in a, in a, in a better habit of, of sort of having a you know, morning quiet time with God. And I'd, I'd go and I'd go into this office we had in the house we're in at the time and I'd, I'd settle down in, in there in front of my... I, I had my own office set up in there and you know, had the computer and that was when big desktop computers were you know, bigger than the house and all, all that sort of thing. And I'd, I'd go and settle myself in there and, you know, to, to actually do some study. And, and the cat... <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the cat used to come in and it would, it would walk across the keyboard or, or whatever you're trying to do and across and across and across. And, and aren't cats amazing? They can actually, they can pick where your attention is focused and they get themselves between your eyes and that attention. They will park themselves in that. And, and you know, I felt that was an opportunity to do something permanent with the cat, but I, I, I never actually did. Actually, that was a great cat. He was one of our favourites. I would never have done that. But in Nehemiah chapter 6, and we've been working through Nehemiah, and it's been amazing for us in this season. And, and the enemies of Jerusalem, they were becoming more desperate when they realised that Nehemiah... And the people of Jerusalem had almost pulled off this audacious plan of fortifying the city of Jerusalem. And it says this in Nehemiah 6, 1 to 3. It says, When the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the walls, this is Nehemiah talking, and not a gap was left in it, though at that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat, And Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on, not carrying on, but I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. Why should I stop work while I leave it and go down to you? I'll read that again because it's really interesting. And I, I think there's some amazing wisdom just in, this, in these couple of words and this response that he has here. Um, he says, so I sent this message to them. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should I stop while I leave and go down to you? Sort of has a touch of arrogance about it, doesn't it, in some ways? Like, I'm not going to come down to you, but that's, that's not what was going on here. You see, <coughs> these guys came up with a, a really clever plan to draw Nehemiah away from this important project. And, and basically, they said, come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. And the, the tone was more like, hey, Nehemiah, you know, it's a bit like, you know, you, people have been really nice to us and, and honoured us this morning, but it's a bit like, hey, you know, Dave and Alex, you've been working hard. You know, you, 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 you've actually got this thing. You're starting to get it nearly across the line. You know, why don't you, why don't you come to Europe and, and, and we'll, you know, we'll have a little meeting over here. And, and we think, wow, wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool? You know, that, that would be nice at the moment. And, and they were basically saying, you know, come, come down here and we, we're going to hang out in one of these nice villages on the plain, you know, chill out and, and just, just sort of get together, get to know each other a bit. So it sort of, it sounded enticing, it sounded good, and it sounded like something that was, was something that he could very well do. But the difference was he was able to discern that this was a trap. And, and he, he responded appropriately. He said, I'm, he said I'm, I'm in the middle of something important here. In fact, I'm, I'm in the middle 
of something that is the whole reason that God placed me where he did and released me into this season and I'm in the middle of it, so I am not going to be distracted. I've actually nearly got this thing nailed and there is no way I'm going to leave it at this moment. I I am not going to be distracted, whether it's a clever plan or whatever else it is, I'm not going to be distracted. And see, if the enemy can distract us, well, then he's oftentimes he's won. Oftentimes he he can't, you know, if, if he comes out with something really crazy and says, you know, oh, you know, again, or it's a bit tough at home this week, why don't you go and uh, why don't you go and rob the bank? <laughs> and you know, you Gaynor's, Gaynor's probably not going to do that. She hasn't got a lot of experience, to my knowledge, as a bank robber. And <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I don't know. There's many things I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how good she is with firearms. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that that she probably isn't going to do so well. But if the enemy comes and says, "Hey, Gaynor," you know. It's a, you know, it's hard, a bit tough at home. You know, you, you've been working hard and finances are tight. You know, why don't you, you know, why don't you, and you know, she's, she's in a job at the moment where, you know, she just feels like God's got her in that place. But, but, you know, he can actually, he can bring, he can actually bring a distraction. He can bring another job or he can bring another thing that, that might seem okay, but, but it's actually a distraction from what she's actually called to do in this season. And for most of us, the enemy's not going to bring something as outrageous as, you know, go and rob a bank or, 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 or do, do something crazy like that. But, but he's actually going to bring things that actually seem okay, but they're distractions to us. And, and so many times, often, oftentimes distraction can come, you know, in a, in a family. You can have a family that are, that are planted, you know, well in a local church. Right at, right at that moment, you know, um, kids are teenagers or just coming into that and it's like and things are going well but all of a sudden there's an opportunity to earn more money over here and it might mean picking a family up and going to another place or or, or whatever and, and that doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong and it might be a god thing but sometimes it can be a distraction to actually move you out of the place where god's using you and, and actually try and unsettle you know important relationships and all sorts of things like that so that people end up not fulfilling their purpose and end up off the rails so um that's We've got to realise the enemy is actually really careful and he'll often try and distract more than anything. And what he often will try and do, he wants us to continually speak. Yeah, that, that was, I set that up. That was, um, <laughs> but you know, you guys, you guys did really well. You pretended to listen. Yeah, I know, I know. He's, he's taller and better looking than me, but anyway. <laughs> but so often what, what, what do you want to do is actually shift our focus on, onto, the, onto the minor details rather than the important things. You know, like when we, as we start to go into this, you know, this new building and stuff like that, um, you know, we could, get, we could get all hung up on lots of minor details. Big time. 
there are so many choices that we're going to make. You know, the, the color of paint and carpets and, and, and style of seats and does this go there and does that, you know, all those things are, are going to be lots and lots of stuff and you're all learned people and everybody's going to have opinions and, and we can so easily get distracted from the, from the goal of what we're, we're called to do and start to focus on the, on the miners. And, and the enemy is really good at that. He's actually really good at, at, at shifting us from the important thing to this thing. Or, or, or he does it so well relationally. You know, we're all a team. We're working well together. We're going over here. And, and all of a sudden, oh, the, there's some little relational thing going on over here. The, the, there's something that, that's not what, quite working here. Or, or, or we feel a bit hurt. Or we, or, or we feel like we're not appreciated. Or, or all those things that that are important things, but they will actually move our attention from the goal, the main thing, and we start majoring on the minors, and we stop to major on the majors. It sounds like some cars that they used to make years ago. Most of you won't even get that, but... Yeah. You've got to be over about 60. I'm not 60, but, you know, I just know about cars. So how, how can we how can we neutralize the effect of distractions? How how can we be discerning enough to see distractions when they came? You see, it was actually discernment that gave Nehemiah the focus and he, that he knew where God wanted him to be and he was able to carry it out. When you're called to an important work, you're actually more discerning. When God calls you to something that's important, you will be more discerning. You know, if you haven't really got anything that's that important and you just sort of ho, 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 well, you don't need to be that discerning. You just sort of go with the flow this way or that way. But, but when you've actually got a calling to something that matters, well, then you use that as a filter to make decisions by and suddenly you find yourself a whole lot more discerning. Alex and I have... have had to be a lot more discerning in certain areas in this season we've been in and um, on a whole lot of levels where, where we went through a season, that, as many of you know, where, where, where you know, our, our emotional capacity with other things going in our world was, was much lower than what we would have liked to have um, for all the things that we had to do. Um, we were in the smack bang in the middle of a, a busy season and, and discernment was, was to try... And we didn't get it right all the time, but discernment is to try and say, well, there are, there are a whole lot of things, yeah, we can't do that maybe we'd like to do or, or even sort of should do, but, but we're, we've somehow got to discern what are the most important things. We've got to somehow discern what are the things that matter most, and it's actually the focus and the call that you have that helps you discern what is a, a major thing and what is a minor thing. And sometimes you find yourself having to let things go a little bit that maybe once you thought were important, but, but, but you, you actually still need to, to discern what is the most important, what is number one thing that you need to do in, in any given season. Doing a great work, I reckon, is the best way not to become distracted. So how, how can we neutralize the effect of distractions? I think number one... Number one, and you guys joke about how many fingers I put up, but this is one finger and point one. See, I mostly go, oh, yeah, yeah, point three. That's just to see if you're with me. 
Number one. I did it twice. Stay connected to a great work. And the reason I've worded it that way is it's, it's easy to start out excited about something, but it's easy to get disconnected from a great work. Stay connected to a great work. How do we stay connected to a great work? Well, I, I, reckon, I reckon there is, you know, in, there's all sorts of ways that you will become tired of something. You know, you go through a disappointment, you go through hurt, you go through fatigue. All those things will bring disconnection from a great work. I, I reckon another thing is to actually choose to be on as much as you can. You know, when we're together here meeting in church, let's choose to be on. Let's choose not to have our mind somewhere else. Let's choose not to be tired from the night before. Let's choose to be on. You know what? Your life could actually go up about 10 levels when you choose to be on. When you choose to be on. See, I've actually found when my mind, as I've talked about all these things in my head, gets busier, I actually have to make decisions at certain times to focus on being on. Because I, and one of those is often when I'm riding my bike and driving. When I know, I know that I'm I'm at at risk. When I've got lots in my head, so I've got to make a conscious effort to be on, to to, to actually realise. And what I do when I when I go riding in the morning, I do it nearly always now. But it happened after I realised my vulnerability in certain seasons. And and I I've just got this thing when I ride down the hill, it always triggers my memory, and I say, Lord. Keep me focused, keep me alert, and keep me safe. And and, and I pray that every time because, yeah, God will do what I can't do, but what I've got to do is choose to be on and engage with what I'm engaging with. And and, and I think if we don't want to be distracted, let's choose to be on. Let's choose to be on when we're with people. Let's choose to be on when we're together in church. Let's choose to be on when we get to work. You know, the day will actually go faster when you're on than when you're miles away. So let's, let's choose to be engaged and choose to be on. In the kingdom, you know, we've got a great work. Bringing the kingdom to a lost and broken world sort of sounds like a, a very noble thing, doesn't it? But sometimes it's sort of so big and noble and nebulous that we get lost in the enormity of the call, and we don't quite understand what our great work is. You see, you need to have a sense of what your great work is. And, and I, I reckon there's some perspective here. You, we're no surprise to you, because Alex and I are great lovers, you know, first of all of Jesus, but of, of each... Yeah, we're great lovers, come on! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just ask us, yes. <laughs> hey, you guys are so easily distracted. So easily distracted. <laughs> we, we love the local church. We love the local church. And we love the Derwent Valley. How are you guys doing up there? And 
I don't know, hopefully you picked up on all that situational humour and all that stuff. And I would imagine that you're more mature and you're not distracted and you're there with us here. And actually, I think the maturity of the valley is higher. I was there last, last week and, and it's, it's a very mature place. High maturity, great people. Jen's with us, we're right. But, you know, connected to a great work, you're, there is no greater work actually than the work of Jesus which is actually administered through the local church. Your part in the local church is a great work. It is an incredible work and it's, it's a classic one. It's so easy to get distracted from. It's so easy to feel fatigued, disappointed, taken for granted. All those things that actually happen when we're in something for a while. Um, your role in your family, your role in your workplace, your role in, in, your, in your community, those things are a great work. Those things really are. And if if we understand that we're being used in those things, we will actually have a greater degree of discernment as things come in um, from left field or good ideas or bad ideas. Those things, we can actually discern them. Knowing what you're called to do helps you discern and identify distractions. Knowing what you're called to do will also help you understand what you're not called to do. And I think that, that sense of, yeah, I, I'm, I know I'm called to do this. That's a good thing, but that is not my calling. Yeah, I could do that, but that's not what God's asked me to do in this season. And, and it brings a great clarity in that. And it will help you become less distracted. If we want to avoid distractions and not get drawn into things that lead us away from God's calling, let's keep ourselves connected to a great work. And let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to equip us with his discernment. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep running together in this exciting time. Like Nehemiah, remain focused on the things that we're called to. So how can we neutralize the effect of distractions? Number two, two fingers. Some of you are easily distracted. I did it that way around. Godly discernment is the ability to to judge matters according to God's view of them and not necessarily according to their their outward appearance. That that sense of of understanding, you know, how's God looking at this? What's what's his focus on that? And we're often easily deceived by the outward appearance. Most of us like, you know, bright, shiny things, don't we? That sort of stuff. We like, we like the new stuff, the bright, shiny things. That stuff will very easily distract us, and we can be deceived in that. Um, there's, a, there's a great account in the Old Testament of when, when the great prophet Samuel turns up to anoint like we, we've prayed and we've anointed Karen this morning as chaplain, but the, the prophet Samuel was, turns up to anoint David as the next king of Israel. And, and so, you know, and, and God had said to him, well, you're going to find him in this family. And he, and he rocks up to this guy called Jesse and he says, hey, I, I think one of your sons is going to be the next king. Can you, you just bring them out? And the Holy Spirit's going to show me which one it is. So you know what? He brings out, he brings out these these good-looking, strapping guys and the guys that he thought was going to be king. And, and Samuel looks at him and he says, they're good-looking blokes, but 
that's not it. <laughs> and then he sort of must have sheepishly said, I've got another one and he's actually out with the sheep. Should I bring him in? And Samuel says, of course you should, of course you should. And of course you know the story. That was David. He was the king. And the, the, and, and the prophet actually said, he said this, he says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And I think so often, even, even good discernment in, in, a, in a very natural way, but I think when you, when you couple this up with the direction of the Holy Spirit, is instead of just looking at somebody, let's start to look in them. Let's start to look past the stuff. Sometimes we've got to look past some of the rubbish. Sometimes we've got to look past some of the annoying things. Sometimes we've got to look past some attitudes. Sometimes we've got to look past some egos. Sometimes we've got to look past some really annoying stuff. I'm talking about myself here. Sometimes we've got to look past some of that stuff, and we've actually got to look in somebody and start to see what the heart is. And sometimes I've, I've been criticised over the years, and it... it of, Perhaps being, you know, giving someone one too many goes. I'm a bit like that. And, and you know, why is it that I'll, I'll do that is, is often I've... When, when I was young, I didn't actually... I didn't tolerate fools very well. And I was, I was pretty arrogant about that. I'd, I'd sum somebody up pretty quickly and say, they're this or they're that, and perhaps use terms that were that not, not that nice. But, but as God softened my heart, he's actually given, given me a capacity to actually look past some of the rubbish and actually see what's in somebody's heart. And, and discernment sometimes can, can be knowing how to manage all that, of course. Sometimes we, we don't get it right. But sometimes, you know, we've, we've actually got to decide. And as a local church, you know, we, we're all full of our stuff. We're all full of all the things that we've been through and we've done and all that stuff. And we come together and we start trying to do things and, and you know, and our, and our humanity starts to come to the surface and all these things go on. Let's choose in, in that time to, to say, I, I want the discernment here. We've got to actually, sometimes, we give, sometimes you've actually got to look past flattery, haven't you? As a leader... Um, and this happens as pastors all the time. You know, people come in and often someone relatively new or something like that, and they, and they flatter the life out of you. And to start with, you think, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, gee, I'm feeling really good here. And, and, but, but experience and discernment's told us oftentimes, you know, when that's going on, there's something you've got to be just a little bit careful about when that stuff's happening. Because, you know, the, there's obviously something else going on. And, and, you know, we've just got to have discernment in these things. So let's not just look... Look, look at people, but let's allow the Holy Spirit to look in us. And, and with that, do it with a soft heart. Do it, do it with the love of Jesus. You know, sometimes the, the Holy Spirit will, will, will show you something, will show you a motive, will show you something that perhaps you need to be careful of in somebody. But hey, let's not, let's not wipe people, let's have compassion for them. Let's understand that, that you're actually being shown that so that you can help them and help others in that journey. So let's, let's, let's not just look at people, let's look in people. How, how, can, we, how can we develop discernment? Well, well, I've only got two points today, but I've got, I've got an A, B, and a C. <laughs> so point two, how do you do A? Is that signing for A, is it? 
Okay, right. So point 2A, know his word. Know the word of God. If you want to see things as God sees it, you've got to, you've got to have his word you know, in, in your mind, in your heart, and have an understanding so you can actually get a God perspective on things. The more that you read and understand the word, the more you start to see things like he sees things. And, and sometimes we're actually walking around with our, you know, perhaps our, our, our 1975 Sunday school teacher worldview of, of a Christian life. And that might be a great one, but it may not be quite what's required in this season. You know, and we've actually got to go a little bit further and we've got to get, we've got to understand the word enough so that we can actually get a God view. We can get God perspective in an incredibly complex world. We can get a God perspective in a world that where, 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 where you know, politics are, are really different to they were five years ago. You know, that the church is perceived differently to what it was once. And, you know, and in some ways that can seem scary, but maybe it's just our greatest opportunity. Maybe we've just got to have less fear and a greater God perspective as we go into the season ahead. And you will not get that with your 1975 Sunday school teacher's worldview. It might just happen to be a good one, but you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to know the word so that the Holy Spirit can help you to be current. His truths don't change, but, but, but the discernment and the wisdom that's required in this current age needs to be fresh. We need, it needs to be daily. We need to have it fresh in, in our minds. So we've got to know his word. Now, B, two, how's B? Oh, yeah. Pretty straightforward. Discernment comes through spiritual maturity. So the point is, develop your spiritual maturity. Develop your spiritual maturity. It says this in in Hebrews 5, 12, 14. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And um, I'm happy to let that, let that land like a little bit of a lead balloon for a sec. I'm happy for you to just spend a moment and say, am I where I should be in my spiritual maturity when I look at the years I've been on the journey? Have I got the wisdom to actually help others or am I actually still needing to be fed really, really easily digested, palatable food? So often, as preachers, we're pretty easy targets. Because, you know, we get up here and, and we, we, we try and do our best and, and everybody's got an opinion and some of you could preach better than me. And, you know, all, all that's, that's there. That's just life. But sometimes, you know, I hear, oh, I'm not getting fed in church. And I'm, I'm talking quite generically. I'm not saying stuff that's going on currently and... It's much easier to talk about generically when you're trying to address something that's right here now. So I'm just talking about stuff that happens because we're people. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting fed or, you know, the, the preaching's just a bit this or it's one-dimensional or, or you know, oh, you know, I just, yeah. And maybe, maybe what the Holy Spirit will be saying to you is, you actually shouldn't just be needing it handed to you on a platter. Maybe what's being said is about a bigger picture and a whole lot of different people and, you know, from the person who's just been saved and and doesn't even really understand what the Bible is and and doesn't know how to open it and and, and wouldn't have a clue. And I would love our church to be filled with people like that. I would love our church to be, you know, when you say the Bible, what's that? Where's that? And, you know, all that stuff, that's what we've got to do. And when we stand up and speak, it's got to make sense to that person. And, and you know what, it, the, the reason that it can also be deep to somebody that's been on the journey a long time is the Holy Spirit is an absolute genius. He's able to take something that a dumb preacher like me says and, and, and actually take the word of God and he's actually able to, to put it in the hearts of people in all sorts of different places and positions and things like that. But you know what, if we want to avoid distractions, if we, if we want to develop discernment, we've actually got to decide to take responsibility ourselves for developing our own spiritual maturity. I can't do that for you. You've got to do that for yourself. We can help. We can walk the journey together. We're a family. We'll get alongside each other. But ultimately, we've got to take responsibility ourselves for developing our own spiritual maturity. It goes on. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still being an infant is, is, and is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Discernment is something that certainly somebody who's just come to faith is, is, is only going to have a limited amount of spiritual discernment because it takes time to develop that. And just like a baby walking around, you know, when they're, when they're in that sort of... Particularly, you know, from, from that 12 months on when they start to crawl around, they'll put absolutely anything in their mouth they can find, generally speaking, because it's the good place to check it out and start to develop some discernment. So what do they do? They, you know, somebody was, Ali was actually reminding me, or reminding somebody, I can't remember, it wasn't me, but she was talking about it, that there's a, a girl that every time, they, every time they catch up, they say, I remember that time you came around and my baby was crawling around on the floor and it, and it ate cat poo. Um, <laughs> I won't say who it was because I can't even remember. But, but, but you know, like, like they, little kids have no discernment whatsoever. And, and, and that's how they learn. And sometimes, sometimes we've been on this spiritual journey and we're walking around and we're still putting any old thing in our mouth. 
We're, we're, we're actually, oh, we listen to that podcast and, and some preacher over here, he said that. So, you know, it must be wrong over here. And we actually haven't developed the, ser- the discernment to contextualize what he's saying or the discernment to know whether that is right for us or the discernment to know what is God saying in this season or the discernment to say, does that line up with the word of God? Is that truth? Um, as I understand the word of God, we've, we've got to develop discernment to do that so we don't just go sticking any old thing in our mouth. And I think that's a bigger, bigger issue than ever it's been. Because, you know, we can get, we can get, you can actually get so, so much good spiritual content on the internet, can't you? There are so many good podcasts. There is just a wealth of it. There is actually no excuse for never getting stuff because it's so readily and easily available. But there's a lot of rubbish out there. There's a lot of the stuff that, 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 you know, and when we disciple somebody, we've actually got to walk with them and help them, you know, help them understand and develop the difference so that, that when they start to listen to these things, that, that they, can, they can say, oh, yeah, that doesn't seem to line up with the word of God or, or, or that's not what God's saying to me. C, number two C, I won't try and even do fingers. Discernment can be given as a gift from the Holy Spirit. And... I reckon I've seen this lots of times. You know, you get somebody and they get recently saved. They haven't been on the journey very long at all. And it's amazing. The Holy Spirit just gives them incredible discernment. In spite of sometimes our, our, our most clumsy efforts as Christians to disciple somebody, God's still good. <laughs> and he still gets them through. And he gives them discernment. There's a spiritual gift of discernment too, and and I, I think we all we all actually are, are able to ask for that, and, and certainly there is a, there is a a spiritual gift of, of high discernment for certain people. But it says this in First Corinthians twelve verse ten. It says, "To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues." And that's actually talking about spiritual gifts that are poured out specifically. You know, there is and there is a spiritual gift of discernment, and, and, and you know, people that actually have that gift of obviously got to be discerning on how they use it, and, and they're actually helpful to the body to, to help us understand. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out discernment on all of us. He actually wants to give you discernment beyond even where you're at at the moment. And I find myself all the time going into things. And I think, wow, what am I going to do here? And it's just simple prayers like, Lord, just give me discernment in this. Yeah, the stuff I'll know in the natural, the stuff I've picked up along the way on my journey. But, but you know, right now I actually need a bit more. <laughs> you know, I need you to help me discern what is going on in this situation. If the, the band would like to join me now, that would be awesome. So let's, let's seek him and let's ask him for discernment. So in this season we're in, and I think this is applicable whether, whether we're in the middle of a, of a building season as a church or, or whatever season that you're in. When, when things come, let's make sure we're connected to our calling. Let's make sure we're connected to a great work. Let's make sure we're connected to something that is bigger than ourselves. Number one deception of the enemy 
is to make you feel that you're, you're actually bigger than the work. And a lot of us, in, as we get through life, we understand that and we sort, of, we sort of keep it in check. But the enemy will always want to appeal to that, that sense of self in us. You know, you're not really being appreciated here. You're not really being used to your full potential. You're, you're, you're not being understood. They're not really getting it. All, all that stuff is, is part of an enemy that, that wants to appeal to that, that sense of self. And there are times they're not bad questions, but, but he will continually want to take us into that place. He'll, he'll want to make us have the focus of, of self in things. Whereas I, I think if we want to stop being drawn down into some of those things that don't matter, we've, we've got to get that lens of being connected to a kingdom purpose. And we just happen to be so, so blessed that the king of the universe has enabled you to be connected to his kingdom purpose. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. When a God who is so powerful and so all-knowing could achieve those things any way that he wanted to, he actually wants us involved. He wants us to be part of it. And he actually knows that for us to be the best that we can be, that we actually need to be connected to something that is bigger than us. Self is kept in check. We have a purpose. We're connected to a great work. That's why Nehemiah was able to discern the difference. That was why he was able to say, look, you know what? My, my role's here. I'm, I'm doing a great project. I'm doing something that I know I was called to do. I'm actually not going to be drawn down into the gutter. I'm not going to be drawn down into, into gossip. I'm not going to be drawn around into critical thinking. I don't mean critical analytical thinking. I just mean, you know, getting with somebody and being negative. I'm not going to be, I, I'm not going to be drawn down into, in, into just sort of have a jaded attitude. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be drawn down into all those things. I'm, I'm not going to be, be drawn down into, into just going over hurts that don't help anybody. I'm not going to be drawn down into that place. I'm actually going to, I'm going to keep my focus here on what God has called me to do. You know, and there is an incredible amount of healing when we actually stay in that place. And, and he says, you know, the reason I don't get down there, the reason I don't come down to that place is, is, is I've got this, this call on my life. And, and I, I think, think for all of us, when we're going through stuff and the enemy wants to pull us down, you know, just, just look him in the eyes and say, you know what, I'm called to a great work. I have not got the time or the inclination to get down there and get involved in that stuff. I will not be distracted because my calling is a great purpose where I will make a kingdom difference and I will not be drawn down into that stuff. Why don't you stand?